I just turned it on. Well, still a lot of folks sick, and uh, we need to pray for them, lift them up, and I know that you are, and I, I know what it is to want to be here and not be able to be here, and uh, we'll, just, we'll just pray for them and trust them. Hey, by the way, Debbie's going to probably be keeping my phone more than I will, but like tonight, the other night I got a phone call for a kidney. I don't know if I told you all or not, and I turned it down. And uh, the reason being, it, the cadaver was scanned, and uh, it had, he had nodules in his lungs, and it, it frightened me. They didn't know whether they were cancerous or non-cancerous, benign. So I said, no, I, I, I believe I'll pass on this offer, thank them. And, and it was a shock. So anyway, I need to do this, and, and I don't like to do it, but that will be the reason I'll have my phone up here if I bring it to the pulpit like I forgot to give it to Debbie. So we can watch it, and, and, and I don't know what I want to do. I'll just wave it at Debbie, and she'll come and answer it, I guess, or I'll say, hold on a minute, I need to talk to the transplant center. But we'll work it out. Maybe the Lord won't let them call while I'm in the pulpit. So anyway, just a heads up on you all. Uh, the book of Romans chapter 1, what a great book this is. I, I, you know, there are times when I start studying a book, I'd like to travel faster in it, and yet... And yet, I mean, I thought last week we'd go from verse 8 to verse 13. I mean, I really did. We got two verses. So we're going to start at verse 10. I'm going to read verse 8 and following, but we'll pick it back up there. This, this is, hey, look into Paul's heart. In, in the first seven verses, Paul had uh, an introduction to his salutation. The salutation doesn't end until about verse 17, I believe it is, if I'm remembering correctly. But in this salutation, Paul begins to bury his heart. Paul begins to just simply say things that, that are tender. And uh, I love it. I love it when we see Paul, the man. I think of him as that great apostle, that great power for God, that, that, that man that's, that's above all men. And in many ways, spiritually, he is. But... He was a man, just like I am and just like you. He, he said, first, I thank my God through Christ Jesus for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. I was, I was blessed last week after I went home, and several people texted me or reached out to me on, on things about their personal prayer life that we spoke about. And uh, that was a blessing to hear from all of you. And look at verse 10. He said, making request, if by any means, now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Now, as I read that, Paul did not know at that time how he would get to Rome. I have the advantage of looking back and seeing how he got there, and I can't help but chuckle a little bit. And the reason being, and, and we'll read some things about that tonight, the Lord willing, he went to Rome. It didn't cost the church a penny. I think that's hilarious. Uh, but he went in chains and, and fetters. And he had a hard time getting there. But God's got a, y'all know God's got a perfect will for our life. And, and it may not suit us how it comes, but if we submit to him, I'll tell you what, we'll see the blessings of it. He said, now look at, look at this phrase, for I long to see you. Can I, can I tell you all what, that's the heart of a pastor. I mean, you all may not understand that like I feel it. I mean, I, I can say I understand the words, but I feel that passage. 
When, when I'm away from you all, I can't wait to get back here. I just don't say that when I get in the pulpit. I, I just don't tell y'all when I, Tuesday morning or uh, other times when I tell y'all, I call them all that I love you. I really do. And if I didn't, y'all need to be looking for another pastor. I need to be looking for a different vocation or a different calling. He said, but I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me now. I would not have you ignorant, brethren. That's a funny statement, too, and I'll tell you why eventually. That oft times I proposed to come unto you, but was let or hindered here, too, that I might have some fruit among you, even also even as among other Gentiles. In verse 10, Paul said, now, he'd already been talking about his prayer life, but he said specifically here, he said, I've been praying without ceasing about you, but I want to come there. I want together. I believe this with all of my heart. I believe one of the great desires of the Apostle Paul from the very moment that he was he was made aware that he was going to preach the gospel uh, to kings that he had a desire to go to Rome. Did, did I take us back to Acts chapter 9 last week and look at that? Let's go there really quick and, and look at this. You remember Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus? He was converted there. Uh, he was three days without sight. And, and the Lord... Um, the Lord commissioned a, a man of faith, a great man by the name of uh, Ananias, to go see Paul and to give him sort of actually a charge. He was telling him, communicating to him his mission that God was going to send him on. Now, I, I don't know, I couldn't imagine being Ananias and hearing the Lord say, hey, uh, I want you to go talk to Saul of Tarsus. Do, do what? You know, I believe he put a Q-tip in both ears and began to clean and said, could you say that again, Lord? I mean, they didn't know if Paul was doing some covert action, just, you know, trying to lie and deceive people so that when he could draw them, say, into a synagogue, that, that, that some of the Sanhedrin officers would have come and arrested them. They didn't know that it was a real thing. But God assured Ananias as he uh, assures us, and he said in verse 13, Then Ananias answered the Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints of in Jerusalem. You, you, you see how that he kind of hesitated? With good reason. With good reason. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. If you remember when Paul was arrested, he had writs of, or warrants or writs of arrest in his pocket. Y'all do remember that. What's the next word? And now, and that word changes everything. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And show him how great things he's going to suffer for my name's sake. When Paul was communicated that message of the Lord through Ananias, honestly believe this now, for the next 20 years, he was thinking, how can I get to Rome? How can I get to Rome? You ever have God delay something on your heart that, that, that throughout your life you just had a desire to do that? 
that you had, you, you, you purposed in your heart by the grace of God, you'll, you'll accomplish that and maybe it, it never came to pass. So I, I believe that Paul had that all of his life. And look, look what the Word of God goes on to say. I sort of emphasize it. If by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Let me ask you something. Do you think when we pray that we ought to use the phrase, if it be thy will? No, nobody negative on that? Boy, I'm glad for that. Hey, you, 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 I, listen, there's a lot of people, as we turn to the book of Luke chapter 22, there's a lot of people I'm afraid that would teach opposite to what I'm teaching. I believe we always ought to preface our prayers, regardless of how much faith we have. You see the prosperity gospel people, uh, people that are in the Pentecostal movement, they would say that if we say, if thy will be done, it sort of negates our faith. I just don't see it like that. I don't see it like that at all. In fact, it puts us to the place I think God wants us to be, submissive to his will. Now, I'm going to ask y'all a trick question, so I'm setting you up. Everybody heard me say that. Say amen. So don't, don't answer too quick. How many of you really know what you need tomorrow and the, and the next year or the next decade to come? How many of you really know what you need? Not a frazzling one of us. Now, we all might have plans, have desires, but you know what? The Bible tells us, boast not thyself against the morrow. Thou knowest not the things that a day may bring thereof. That's where that come from. Remember, John, when he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, he called him Lord, big L, Lord, twice. And then he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Somebody said, well, how are you going to know the Lord when we see him? Or how are we going to know his voice when he calls us out of the grave? And I tell them simply this, you'll know him when you see him. You'll know him when you hear him. His sheep know his voice. Now, I've never heard his voice audibly say like Elijah did. Now, a lot of people talk about that still small voice. I've used it in messages. I've, I've, I've had the Spirit of God to lead me as well as I know He has you to give us that internal nudge. And we might say, you know, the Lord spoke to me. But I'm honest, I've never heard the voice of the Lord audibly. But I know that He'll speak to me through His Word. He'll speak to me through prayer, through the leadership of the Spirit and all that. But that still small voice for Elijah wasn't on the inside of Elijah. What did, ha- what did Elijah have to do when he heard it? He got up, put his mantle on, went outside the cave. It wasn't in him, it was on the outside of him. That's where that still small voice was. Now, I've never heard his voice. It scared the bejeebies out of me if I did, without a doubt. But that's good insight. Yeah, listen, Paul was notorious. He had a legend about him. His name meant something. And for the believer, it meant something to be feared and, and avoided without a doubt. So that's, that's good. I, I like that, Brother Bill. I, I agree with you. There's no doubt that word got out that a young man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, you know that Pharisee that's killing all this, he held the cloaks of all those that stoned Stephen, no doubt in my mind. None whatsoever. Look, if you will, and this is, takes us into Gardner chapter 22, at, uh, well, I'm going to pick it up in verse 39 and just get the flow of it. Chapter 22, verse 39 of the book of Luke. And he came out, speaking of Jesus, and went as he want or as he normally did to the Mount of Olives. 
And his disciples also followed him. This is after this is after he washed the disciples' feet in the upper room after that he instituted the Lord's Supper. After that he had eaten the Passover with his apostles. And it was at the place he said unto them, uh, which is the Garden of Gethsemane, by the way. What's Gethsemane mean? Anybody really quick? Olive press. Olive press. Y'all didn't, y'all didn't know that. If you didn't, put, put that in your memory bank somewhere. Can you, can you see the significance of that? There he was in an olive grove where they had the name of the place, the olive press, to where he was pressed under this weight of the cross. Uh, that Hey, I believe, I believe with all of my heart in the Garden of Gethsemane, Satan tried to kill him. I believe that's why in the book of Hebrews we find that, uh, that he prayed and was heard and was delivered. Christ, listen, everybody listen now. Christ never prayed to avoid the cross. He, he never prayed that prayer. He knew what would happen. He knew he had the power to lay his life down. He had the power to take it up again. But I believe when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was one of the darkest, if probably not the darkest places that he traveled on planet Earth while he was a man, darker than the 40 days in the wilderness, darker than the days when the devil himself, smutty-faced Satan uh, himself, approached him and tempted him uh, with the uh, love of the flesh, uh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life in the wilderness after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And if you read Hebrews 5, you'll see that, that he prayed and, and, and he, he, he shed many tears and he was heard and he was delivered. I believe, I believe Jesus prayed. I believe he was under so much pressure that he had to pray to the Father, say, deliver me through this or I'm not going to make it to the cross. But thine be done. Yeah, I've wondered about that cup many times, what it looked like to him. My Lord, it had my sins in it and your sins in it and the sins of all the world. And we had somebody here that is perfectly holy, that is light, according to the book of 1 John, and no darkness in him. And I explained that by saying not even one little speck. Y'all know what a speck is, the tiniest little thing. If I held a piece of paper up, even, even back there with bad eyesight, most of you could be able to see a little dot that I'd put on it. That'd be where your eyes drawn to. But Jesus, looking at that cup, man, oh man, oh man, he knew to some degree what was in that. Couldn't imagine being holy and then having to drink that. Becoming sin for us, according to the book of 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he that knew no sin became a sin that we might be made the righteous. Oh, doesn't that make you want to just stop and praise him a little bit and thank him? He said, and when he was at the place, he said unto them, pray ye that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed and saying, Father, if thou will remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And he being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. Didn't that amazing? Listen, there was a struggle there. There was a battle there. And though, though there was a full moon at Passover time, I want you to know it was dark, spiritually speaking, for our Lord. So I'm thinking if he prayed, not my will be done, thy will be done, I think it's okay for us too. In chapter 6 of the book of Matthew, I'm turning quickly if, if you want to. 
he said in verse 10 of the model prayer, chapter 6 of the book of Matthew, we have the model prayer. The Lord's Prayer is chapter 17 of the book of John. Of course, everybody, because of tradition, pretty much knows this passage as, quote, the Lord's Prayer. And he said, when he prayed, he comes down to verse 10. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now listen to this, in earth as it is in heaven. What are we made out of? So he's saying in reality, not just this planet, but in us too. Just to miss, well, I'll go back to the same word I use. Maybe, maybe tonight, I'm not sure. But anyway, before tradition, people hear it like that. And they, without looking at the scripture, and even after we, we're strange creatures, the way our mind and eyes work sometimes. Although we've heard it that way, when we read it, guess what? How we'll hear it. We'll hear it on earth instead of it says in earth. Just the way we are. Just, there's another verse in the book of John. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one, two. It's not four, but we hear it quoted four, probably 90% of the time. So. It's just that we get the habit and we don't look and so just by being human. Let's, let's run by chapter 21 of the book of Acts as we're heading back over to Romans. And, and we're going to see how Paul got to Rome really, really quick. We're not going to do any in-depth study. And if we were, listen, we could stay here three or four weeks, by the way. But uh, you know, y'all remember, y'all do remember me saying clearly when I started the book of Romans. I said, we'll either be in here till I die or the Lord comes. Just, just that. <laughs> or we'll just give up on the book and go somewhere else. But anyway, it's a treasure chest. If you, if, if you haven't read in a while what brought Paul to Rome finally, what the process was, I encourage you to do that. If you're looking for something to read in your daily devotion, start in chapter 21 here where we're at of the book of Romans and read down through chapter 27 and you'll get it. It's, it's amazing to watch the hand of the Lord guiding people and, and what, uh, what he does to get his will done um, in our lives. And it's not always the easiest place that, that we would choose. I mean, the children of Israel, um, they, they weren't led the quickest route into the land of promise, but the safest and the surest route. And God had a reason for that. I'm not going to tell you what it was. I'll let you find it if you really want to know what it is. Paul at this time had been to Miletus and uh, to Tyre, and he, he had been running around, but he was, heading, he was heading back home. Look at verse 4. He said, And finding disciples, we tarried seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go to Jerusalem. Now I'm going to read you another one right across the other on the other page on my Bible, I'm going to pick it up in verse 10. At this time, they had come uh, to the house of a man by the name of Philip, who was one of the seven disciples. He had four daughters who were all prophetesses. Now, listen, there were prophets and there were prophetesses in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there is a gift of prophecy it was a temporary gift. And once the Word of God became complete, it was no longer necessary. It was a gift that was exercised. We're hearing of prophets here in our day, but folks, believe me, biblically, I don't care what man or woman calls themselves, 
Biblically, it won't stand up to the test of Scriptures. I don't know whether you like that or not. If you don't like it, I can't say I'm sorry. That's just the truth, the way the Word of God presents it. But at this time, the gift was still in in use. It was still benefiting the church. And here at Philip, the evangelist house where Paul was staying, there his daughters were prophetesses. In verse 10, And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus, and when he was come unto them, unto us, he took Paul's girdle. I'll never forget when I was a, just a boy, just a young man, and I, I read that girdle. I had the image of my grandmother's girdle. That's how dumb I was, do you hear me? So I said that to say this. A girdle was a belt that they wore to tie their garments together at the waist. Men wore long flowing robe-like things and the cloak that they had over it. So just FYI, that's what it is. Some kind, some kind of linen or some kind of a leather uh, garment. And when they needed to run, what they would do, they'd reach down, they'd grab that garment, and they'd pull it up between their legs and tuck it down in their belt so it wouldn't get in their way. So it's amazing how you grow. Now, all of y'all sat back there thinking, that's so funny. Some of y'all thought the same thing when you read it. So anyway, that is funny. I thought you'd like that. And said he took it and bound Paul, his hands and his feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost. Now I'm going to ask y'all a question. There's a test coming after this. I already read you one verse of Scripture that has the same theme in it. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when, he, when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him, meaning Paul, not to go up to Jerusalem. Then answered Paul, What me need to weep and break my heart? Listen now, for I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. Now here's the question. You won't fail even if you don't get the answer right. Was Paul out of the will of God when he went to Jerusalem? Now he'd been warned twice. Look back over there in verse 4 that he should not go up to Jerusalem through the Spirit. Here with Agamus through the Spirit. That's what's going to happen to you, buddy, if you go. And then everybody in the place, because they loved Paul, but they weren't very sensitive to the Spirit, said, don't go. You ever see there's so many places I could go with this. I want to ask you one. I'm not looking for an answer, but I've been guilty of this, and it's no fun. Have you ever gotten in the way of the Spirit of God working in somebody else's life? Boy, I have. I never will forget, I was coming out of a home one time, of a family that had a problem. And a pastor's desire, we, we get what they call the quote-unquote the Jesus syndrome. We think we can deliver everybody. We think we can save them. We think we can, you know, if they're hurting, we can help them and we can get them out of that with all that. So anyway, I'll never forget this. Boy, I was young. Wasn't very old in the ministry at all. And I, was, I, I wasn't five feet off the porch on the sidewalk of that home and the Lord says, now listen, don't get, here's a, I didn't hear his voice, but I heard through the Spirit him speaking to my heart. 
He said, don't get in the way of this family. I'm doing something. And if you, if you get in the way, I'll just have to start it over for them and take them back to where I'm taking them now. I'll never forget that. So, y'all had time to think, was Paul out of the will of God when he went to Jerusalem? Because when he went, when he went, he ended up getting into trouble because he went into the temple under a vow. There are some people that assume some things about a man by the name of, I think his name was Attachius that went with him because he was a Gentile from Ephesus, that he had taken him into the temple there were men questioning really where Paul was, was, was faithful to uh, the Mosaic law, to their tradition. And the, all of that had been thrashed out for the Gentiles in chapter 15 of the book of Acts. But, but they lied on Paul. They tried to kill him. They beat him. A garrison of Roman soldiers rescued him. Paul talked in tongues, the, uh, the Greek language and then the Hebrew language. And that's what got him in jail, put him before a man by the name of Agrippa who said, look, we had released him had he not uh, appealed to Caesar. And then they sent him, chapter 27, the book of Romans to Rome, where he died. So the question, question, was he in the will or not? Anybody think he wasn't? That's it. He knew God was calling him. He knew the will of God for his life. Now, we're going to talk about a couple things here. Bill, what would you say? And he said, look, man, I want, I want to get to Rome. He didn't put any qualifiers on that. He didn't put any, I'll go if God gives me first-class accommodations. I'll go if everything is perfect. Do you know what I believe the Lord was doing here with, with, with uh, these uh, tests that come to? I believe that's exactly. Paul, I'm going to test your faith. Are you ready to go to Rome? Are you sold out? Have you ever, honestly, have you ever had that kind of experience in your life? To where that, I don't know about you all, but a lot of strange things has happened to me in my Christian life. Just about everything I've learned, Debbie will say amen to this, I've learned it the hard way, right, Bubba? Been through the school of hard knocks. Now, that, that's, that's no doubt. But there have been times, friend, look, not everybody's in favor of you doing God's will. Y'all do know that, don't you? I mean, you, you, you get some steam going, you get excited, you feel like God's leading into something. Don't expect everybody to come up and pack you on the back and say, I'm with you, preacher. You know? Well, the point I'm trying to make, just because we're in the will of God doesn't mean it'll be easy. I've seen too many people say, hey, preacher, I believe God's leading me into something. Well, go for it. Look, I'm an encourager. If I really think that there's a potential for you doing something, I want to see you do it. I, I think I want you all to grow more than you all do. I mean, that's just the heart of a pastor, to be honest with you. But I've seen people get started in something, and the very first opposition, I'm done. I, God must not be in this. If, it, if he was in it, it, it would go smooth. There'd be no battles. There'd be no opposition. I'm going to quote Paul. I believe I could turn to it in the book of 1 Corinthians and read it. Paul said, listen, I'm here at this place and I'm having so much success you wouldn't believe it. Now, I'm paraphrasing. And you know, you know why he said that? He said, an, he said an, an effectual door hath been opened unto me. And somebody said, well, how do you know, Paul? He said, because there's much opposition. 
I'm going to tell you, when you begin to think you know God's will, just look at the opposite side, and that's generally what God's doing. A lot of times we, we think, man, when everything's free and easy, I'm right in the middle of God's will. Maybe when you're in the best battle that you've ever been in. When you're totally surrendered to God, when you're crying and saying, I don't understand this, when you feel weak, because Paul said, when I'm weak, then am I strong? You remember that? Paul said, oh, therefore, glory and tribulation. He didn't like to be beat up. He didn't like stripes on his back. But he liked being in the will of God because he knew God was with him. And he didn't care to announce his weakness because he knew then the power of God would make him strong. But I'm telling you, I've been there where, man, I know I'm in the will of God, and they're just opposition, just battle, battle, battle. So don't give up too quick. I don't believe God was trying to change Paul's mind. I believe God was just testing his faith. And I'll sum it up and move on with this. A faith that cannot be trusted cannot be tested. That's what Brother Bill was speaking earlier. I agree with both of you. Without a doubt, to me, that's where Paul got under conviction. And when you get under conviction, you may not immediately get converted, but you'll, you'll never forget what brought you under conviction. You may not know all the verbiage, but you'll remember, man, when God said, Hey, look, here's your eternity. Now what are you going to do to it? When you get brought face to face with God, so to speak. And I do believe, though, after that, Jesus is the only man could convert it and convince Paul. But I believe it was the nail prints that did it. I believe, you know, I, G, Mene. All right. Let me find out where we're at. Turn over to chapter 27. How many of you all like storms in your life? Acts 27. Now, like I say, to, to go back, if you all do it in your personal devotion sometime, between now and next week, I think it'll help you read those chapters, and you'll, you'll get the story of this. You'll, you'll see the whole gist of it. This, I, I think back as I'm trying to start, because I've got to get done here in just a couple minutes. There's a lot of times my thinking needs adjusted. I mean, I would think that if I were the Lord... And somebody was going to trust me and follow me that I wouldn't want to put them in a storm. Now, I'm, I'm saying that's me thinking. But if I was the Lord, guess what I'd do? I think exactly like he does. You know what the Lord did to his disciples after he performed the greatest miracle? Undoubtedly, it's the greatest because it's the only one all four gospel writers record. He put them in a boat and said, go to the other side. Now, that's the key phrase. Get in the boat, go to the other side. Y'all remember what happened? They met a storm. Because we get in a storm doesn't mean we're out of the will of God. In fact, it may testify to the fact when had somebody call me this week. Man, I was happy, happy, happy. Name come up on my phone, had no idea what it was about. And this person, I won't even tell you whether it's a male or female, belonged to our church, don't have permission to, you know, to give the name. But I, I'll tell you, I, I just felt like a million dollars because I knew this person was in a great position of growing in the Lord. They were struggling and they said, well, I'm glad you think it's funny. Well, I said, I don't think it's ha-ha funny, but I just think it's sweet because I know where God's got you. He's got you on growing ground. He's got you in a place that you're learning. He's testifying, too, that you're really saved, not in the way that you want. 
Turn with me quickly, would you, to the book of Philippians. I believe it is. Keep your finger there. We're going we're to run out of time. I'll probably have to start here. Let, let me show you something in the book of Philippians, and I hope that's, that's where, where it is. Oh. There it is, chapter, chapter 1 of the book of Philippians. And I'm, gonna, I'm, going to read, uh, I'm going to read verse 28 just for time's sake. Now watch this. I mean, most of us want, want confirmation in a good way. We, we want to be blessed from the top of our head to the sole of our feet. How many of y'all like to be blessed like that? I mean, the back of your hair just stands up. I mean, your heart starts pal- palpitating and you're not worrying about AFib. It's a different kind of palpitation, right? You think, who in the world reached in and brought my tummy up in my heart area and put my heart down in my tummy? I mean, yep, y'all do that. You get sweaty. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the Spirit of God. I mean, how many of y'all like being blessed? Let me ask you. Well, how many of y'all like being in a real good spiritual fight to where you don't know, you get in such a space and a place that you don't know whether to spit or wind you watch? Listen to this now. I come across this many, many years ago as a young man. Verse 28. And he says, uh, well, let me get back to verse 27. I got to get that. Let your conversation or lifestyle be as becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, one mind, striving together. And here's why I had to read it. For the faith of the gospel and in nothing terrified by your adversary. Oh, it says adversaries. <laughs> Y'all did see that. We've got more than one. Now listen now. Which to them, i.e., the adversary is of yours, of the believer, the follower of Christ, is an evident token, is an undeniable, um, undeniable token of reality, of their perdition, or of their judgment. But look, what's the next word? but of your salvation and that of God. Have you ever thought for one moment when an adversary is coming against you, God's letting him do that to witness to you that you're really saved because if you weren't really saved, you wouldn't be having this adversary coming against you. A few more of y'all ought to be shouting too. We ought to go away from here tonight thanking God for our adversaries. There have been times, and I've got to quit there simply by time. I, I don't want to, but I've got to. There ought to be times, and there has been times in my life, that I have gone to the Lord when I just was walking by nothing but faith and would be happy, 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 as Alan Stewart preaches, when the Lord would chastise me. And the reason being, I knew I was still saved and a son of God because he chastised me. Now, if y'all have never been in that place, thank God I hope you never do. But I've been happy, happy, happy just to get the chastisement of the Lord because I knew the confirmation of that spoke that I was Christ's child. We'll pick it back up next week. But read, read, we'll pick it back up in chapter 27 and look at Paul's Uh, Voyage and Paul went into a storm. Now look, Paul knew he was going before he went. He tried to tell those guys that were taking him, look, we don't want to do this, but you know how man is. He doesn't 
follow the will of God very often. Well, I hope something's a blessing to you. Let's stand and sing what a brother Jerry Miss Judy has.